open your copy of God's life-giving word to the book of 1 Peter. Uh, we'll be in 1 Peter chapter 1 today. Um, and uh, as, you, as you turn there, it's page 1014 in the Bibles we provide for you. Uh, as you turn there, I just want to welcome all of our uh, guests today. Maybe if you're a, a first or second time guest with, with Redemption Hill, uh, we're super grateful that you're here today and able to worship with us. So thank you for joining us. Uh, we have a Connect card that you received in your worship guide. We'd love for you to fill this out. You can take it to the Connection Center on your way out, and we have a free gift for you that's awesome. We want you to receive. Uh, and then also, uh, you notice that there's a, a handout uh, about teams. You're gonna hear about this at the end of our service, but we have a lot of great teams that you can explore serving with uh, usually most people serve once a month, and there are just some great opportunities that you can step into using who God has made you to be to serve others and to uh, help move the mission forward at Redemption Hill. So, uh, so thankful for uh, everyone who serves on a team and look forward to hearing more about that. And then also, if you're new, uh, we would love for you to mark next Sunday as a special Sunday for you to make plans to stick around for what we call Next Next is a free luncheon uh, for newcomers at Redemption Hill, whether it's your first, second Sunday, or you've been around for a while and never been able to attend Next. Uh, it's a great opportunity to learn more about the mission and vision of Redemption Hill and get to know some new people. So uh, if, you, if you plan to attend that, uh, you can also let us know on the back of the Connect card just so we make sure we have more than enough food uh, for you uh, and anyone you bring with you to come uh, to that next Sunday. Well, uh, as, we, as we get into uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 uh, this morning, I was uh, kind of taken back this weekend, you know, with uh, four kids in the house, and, you know, I made sure that Titus had a little Reese's heart to give to mom this weekend, you know, she loves those. Uh, now they have Reese's everything, right, like eggs and Christmas trees and hearts. I mean, good, good job, because those are much better than the regular cups. Um, but, um, you know, so Titus gave that to, to mom, and and, you know, I had, I had gotten just a special little gift for uh, my three princesses, and that is, you know, a good old box of sweethearts. I mean, anybody remember, remember these? Uh, raise your hand if you received these maybe in elementary school, Valentine's Day. Anybody? Yeah, almost everyone, right? These are like the most popular candy, uh, you know, at Valentine's Day to, to give and to receive. And, you know, what I learned uh, this weekend uh, was just a, a really, uh, you know, discouraging bit of news about these sweetheart candies. Uh, did you know that very tragically, uh, last Valentine's Day, uh, these were probably not on the shelf, and if they were on the shelf, they were from the 2018 production uh, because the company who makes these in New England here, sadly enough, went out of business. The New England confectioner company uh, went out of business, and so these were, were not easy to find last Valentine's Day, but thankfully, thankfully, someone bought out Neko, and they started making them again. But, as it turns out, the, the, the new company, based in Ohio, got the equipment from Neco in Massachusetts, and they brought it to their factory, and it turns out that the printing machine was not reliable, so most of the hearts that were printed this year don't have any messages on them. And so, I mean, isn't that... That's, that's tragic, right? I mean, for, for my, my three girls, you know, I want I could have waited them to be mine, you know, and uh, love you, you know, how much daddy loves them. And, you know, I think we need to start a movement that true love speaks. Come on, can I get an amen this morning? True love 
communicates, right? And so we just need to, we need to pray for this new, you know, uh, this new uh, candy maker that they'll get their business straight for next year's Valentine's. Because, I, mean, I mean, this might be the end of Valentine's Day. I mean, I don't, I don't know about you, but if we can't have candy guards with messages on the XOs and all this and marry me, I mean, let's hold off on that for the little kids. Um, but, you know, we, how sad, right? How sad. Well, in an in a ironic Valentine's Day weekend twist, the book of 1 Peter is actually going to tell us that love communicates, true love speaks, but Peter's going to take it a step further, and this is how he's going to do it. He's going to say, not only does true love speak, speaks, but he's going to say that our love, the love that God wants us to have and experience and give away on the daily, is actually built on his words. Our love is based on his words. And it's amazing to see how First Peter is going to call us into this this love that God has. These words are going to call us to extend God's supernatural love in light of God's words, right? Extend supernatural love in light of God's words. Let's look at these verses and see how our love is built on God's word. This is what Peter says, starting in verse 22. Having purified your souls... By your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Let's pray one more time. Father, we ask that even as we receive your words right now, that your love would flow through your words to hit our hearts and to change us to love one another like you have loved us. And so God, help us to see what you're showing us in the words of First Peter today that we might live differently and extend your supernatural love to one another and to everyone around us. We pray in the name of Jesus, amen. I wanna show you three characteristics of supernatural love. It's my prayer today that, that the words of 1 Peter will guide the way you relate to the people around you and specifically to one another in this family, God's family, God's church, all right? So three characteristics of supernatural love. The first one is this. Supernatural love is a deep love. Supernatural love 
is a deep love. Peter begins by saying in verse 22, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. The the goal is that we would love one another like family should love one another. But he begins by by showing us that, that, hey, this is what's happened for you, that your souls, your life inside has been purified by God's Spirit as a result of you being obedient to the truth. And so for, for Peter to talk about us being obedient to the truth is another way of him saying that you have been born again. This obedience to the truth, when we hear the word obedience, a lot of times we naturally think, okay, these are the the instructions, the commands that God wants us to carry out now that we have chosen to follow Jesus and now we live this life of obedience day by day by day. But this is not the kind of obedience to truth that he's speaking of. He's talking about when we hear the gospel and we hear this good news that, hey, God is saying, you need to believe on my son and receive the life that he died to bring you. It's that kind of obedience that is saying yes to Jesus that causes us to be born again. And you say, Tanner, how do you know that? Well, I know it from the context both of what he's been talking about all of chapter 1 and verse 23 when he immediately says, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed through the living and abiding word of God. And so this obedience to the truth points us to the, the fact that Jesus made some very bold and audacious claims that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to a relationship with God except through him. And so it's, it's, we live in a culture, we live in a society where everyone wants to say, hey, there are so many different ways to relate to God. There are so many different paths to God. And what that is saying implicitly is there are many different ways to construe reality. And Jesus is saying, I am reality. I am truth. If I am truth, not everything else can be true. So there's an obedience to the truth that Peter is talking about when he says that, that they are Uh, been purified now uh, in their souls. Uh, The the logic is this. God has brought you into this new life by the word of truth, and this new life creates a new family and a new power to love one another as God has loved us. So Peter then gives two very key terms that highlight what this kind of supernatural, deep love should look like. He says that our love should be sincere and our love should be earnest. What does it mean to have a sincere love? A sincere brotherly love means that there's no show going on. That there's, there's no hypocrisy. It's not that we, you know, act one way, but we don't really mean it on the inside. Uh, This word sincere in ancient times was used in the marketplace when they would sell pottery. and, and, And the prospective buyer, if they were smart, they would hold up that piece of pottery in the sunlight to make sure that as they looked through that they couldn't see any cracks. Because if there were any cracks, the light would break through and they would see that this this pot was 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 imperfect it was impure that it that it wasn't made in with a sincere complete construction 
And this is the kind of love that Peter's calling us to have, a, a sincere love, a love that has no impurities. Sincere love is not tainted with ulterior motives, right? I mean, I think this is, the, this is kind of the New England mindset, right? If you try to do something nice for someone, and the immediate thought for most people is, hey, what do you want from me, Right? Like, you're doing something nice, like you're trying to serve me in some way. Like, there must be something behind what you're presenting. In other words, it must not be sincere. But Peter is saying, look, the kind of love that God produces in us, it's, it's, there's nothing ulterior about it. There's no motive behind what's on the surface. It's pure. God's love, I love this, God's love does not love to get anything. The essence of true love is a, a self-giving, right? It's, it's taking what belongs to me and giving it with no thought of what you will give me in return. This is the kind of love that God is calling us to. And even as I put it in those terms, I mean, are, are you not receiving it in such a way as like, oh, Tanner, that's a little bit costly, that's, that's a big ask because, you know, I, I really like to serve others when I know that they're going to kick it back to me and, you know, turn it back around and give me a little bit back, you know. But, but the, the love of God is a, a sacrificial love. It's a sincere love, a pure love, and it is an earnest love. Look at the end of verse 22. For, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. This, this word earnest means to be fervent in our love. It, it's, it's the kind of love that, that goes to the fullest extent. This word is only used two other times in the New Testament. Once to describe the praying of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he experienced the most physical, emotional, and spiritual pain that any human has ever experienced in the history of the world. It says that he poured out his, his, his soul, his prayer with earnestness before God in deep agony in, in, in yes, with urgency and we could even put the word desperation on it. This is the kind of quality of love that God wants us to love one another like even a desperate love, like uh, a, when we're desperate, it means that we're willing to like put everything else aside so that we can be totally in on this focus point. It's not a 65 kind of percent kind of love. It's, it's a love that's all in, completely given over to the people that we are seeking to and so just take a moment and look around. I know it's a little awkward when pastors ask you to do this, all right? But just really just kind of look around, you know, to your right, to your left for just a minute. Some of you are still looking at me, you know, which is more comfortable. Um, but if you just kind of look around, okay, when, when, when Peter is, thank you very much. I really appreciate you guys cooperating. I know it took a little bit of courage uh, today. It took a little bit of love toward me to do that. I appreciate it. Um, when Peter is talking about loving one another with a brotherly love, these are the relationships he's talking about. Like the, the people sitting next to you right now. 
the people that you do life with through the week in groups or you show up and you serve with on a regular basis. Now, yes, of course, how we love one another should spill over into all of our relationships in the neighborhood, in the workplace, at the grocery store, whatever. But, but, but Peter's focus here is how we're loving one another. And so I just want to ask you, how are your relationships with the people you call spiritual family in Jesus Christ? Because I've lived the Christian life long enough. And I've been a pastor for 10 years, which may not seem like a lot to you, but it's definitely long enough for me to know that relationships in a family are not always perfect. There will be times in our relationships in God's family where we are tempted to love the people around us not more and more, but less and less. Paul calls us to a more and more, like Peter's calling us to a more and more intensify, earnest. This is what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. He says in verse 12, and may the Lord make you what? Increase and abound in love for one another and for all. And then he goes on in chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, and he says this. Look, I love this too. Uh, now concerning brotherly love, you have no, one, no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. I just love this because what Peter does, I love this. All right, just let me preach for a minute on this little part. This is not even to the main point of what I want to talk about. But, but what Peter is saying is that when you have the spirit of God in you and you know what God has done for you by bringing you into the life of Christ, you don't need a guy standing up for 40 minutes once a week sending you reminders. Like, this is great. And, and God says we should do this, right? We should teach the word. We should study the word together. But God's Holy Spirit it, it leads us and teaches us how we should relate to one another. So the point there is that, like, we can't just make excuses like, hey, you know, no one reminded me or I wasn't taught to, you know, be kind or be patient. Or We can't do that. Inherently, by our conscience and, more importantly, by God's Holy Spirit, we, we hear the call, what Paul says at the end of these verses, but we urge you, brothers, what? To do this more and more. More and more. If you live in a family long enough, talking about roommates, talking about spouses, talking about kids, children. You will let one another down. It's coming. It's coming. The question becomes, how will you respond when it comes? I promise you, you will be tempted by the sinfulness of your own heart and the schemes of the evil one to say, you know what? Pastor Tanner, you don't know what they said to me. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know how they acted toward me. I am justified to love them less and less. But God is calling us to something better, something more, something deeper, a more and more kind of love. This is a supernatural. Listen, the world will tell you, hey, give up on them. 
They treated you, they better fire shots back. Don't love them. Don't, don't, don't seek to restore the relationship. Just move on. But God's supernatural love tells a different story. Provides a better invitation to us to love one another as God has loved us. So number one, supernatural love is a deep love. Number two, supernatural love is an undying love. It's an undying love. You might want to write this down. Deep love and undying love. I love what Peter does. It's so fascinating what he does in verses 23 through 25. Because Peter, uh, he just told us to love one another earnestly from the heart. And so now he's going to tell us why or, or what's the grounds for us doing so. And if you're like me, you would immediately think, you would say, well, you know, love one another because, hey, look at what God's done for you. And he would point back to the gospel just like he did a few verses earlier. But instead of talking about God's love, he talks about God's word. Look at it again. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed, through the living and abiding word of God. Here's here's how it works, okay? This this relationship between our love and God's word, how how does it work? What, What is he doing here? Well, let's focus on what he says about God's word. He says that God's word is like a seed that is deposited in our hearts. And when it takes root, this is so important, even as you're listening to a sermon right now, you know, I know the temptation, and I have to fight this when I go, especially as a preacher, when I go to other churches, you know what we're tempted to do, right? We're tempted to, you know, because after church, you know what happens is, you know, we we get around the the lunch table, and we're talking about, like, was church good today? Anyone? Which really we mean is, like, how good was the sermon? Did the pastor do as good as he did last week? How was the music? Were people nice to me? And so this is kind of how we often are tempted just to come to church. But the better, the better approach is not coming into critique. It's coming into receive, right? And so when we receive with a soft heart, what happens is the word hits our heart And it's like a seed that pops into life. It grows. God's word is living. It means it it gives life. And God's word is abiding. It means that it, it continues to have effect. It endures. And so this... This, this, this word that gets into our souls, it doesn't fade or die. That's why P- Peter calls it an imperishable seed. And in verse 25, he says, this, this word is the good news that was preached to you. And so I love this. This is just so amazing as we think about how God does his work, okay? When, when anyone shares the gospel, when you share the gospel, the power to see that message transform someone's life is not in your ability to communicate it perfectly. The power is in the words themselves. This is so freeing, right? Because this, this is like there's two huge implications of these truths, okay? Number one, anytime you share the gospel, you can share it with complete confidence. Complete confidence. 
The reason we're scared, the reason we lack boldness, the reason we are not confident is because we're too focused on ourselves and thinking that we have to have all the perfect words that will convince someone to follow Jesus and to receive the life that God wants to give them. But, but, but God is saying, look, the, your words aren't powerful. My word is powerful. So share with confidence. But then number two, if you're hearing the gospel and this is new news for you about what Jesus has done, then the beautiful reality is that as this message hits your heart and it starts tugging at your soul and it's saying, oh, wow, listen up. Jesus, Jesus did this for you. He, he really wants you to experience the life that he died to bring you. That, that as this is going on, this is, how, this is how God brings people into the life of Jesus Christ. And so we know that Romans 10 tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So we share with confidence, and we know that as we hear it, that the word takes root in us. But you say, okay, well, Tanner, you know, that, that's great, and, and I see that, and like God's word's working like this, and then, oh, by the way, Peter emphasizes it and amplifies it by pointing us back to Isaiah 40. Look at verse 24. He says, all flesh is like, he's quoting Isaiah chapter 40, all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And Peter is so smooth about what he's doing here. Number one, he's saying, like, you know that your life is very transient. It's like the, the heat in the summer hitting the grass that causes that grass to wither. That's what our lives are like. We're, we're here one day and we're gone the next. And he says everything that we chase after in this life, all the glory that we long for, achievement, fame, success, money, prestige, whatever it is, he's saying all of that is also very transient and fleeting. It's ephemeral. It doesn't last. But not my word. My word goes on and on and on forever and ever and ever. It stands the test of time. You say, well, Tanner, what, what, does, this, what does this have to do with, with love, God's word, and going on and on? And what's this? Okay, that's God's word. What about our love? It has everything to do with it. Everything. What, this is, isn't, isn't Peter smooth here? Do you see it? He's saying, this word caused you to have a new life. And this word is a word that will never die. Now, you are to love people like God has loved you and brought you into his family. And just as that word never dies in you, so your love should never die for one another. Wow. Ho ho hopefully, you're just, you know, you're not saying amen verbally. You're not saying wow verbally. Like, but you're feeling that, right? You're feeling that. So often in this life, love taps out too soon. Don't you know it? Haven't you seen it in your own life, in the lives of the people that you love? Our love is so quick. It's like, I can't go another step. I'm tapping out. God's love never does that. And that's the love that we long for. 
We all want to be loved like that. Why? Because we know we're flawed. We know we don't have it all together. We know we're going to fail one another. And most certainly we're going to fail this glorious, most holy God. And so I need a God who is willing to forgive, willing to extend a little extra mercy, willing to give me a little more grace than I deserve. Why? Because if it were up to me, performing in such a way that would make me merit his love, I can never, ever do it. But God's love goes the distance. God's love pursues us day after day after day after day. He made you to receive this kind of undying love, and he made you to give it. It's like, the, it's like the, this is why wedding vows are so important. We have so many engaged couples at our church. We celebrate that, and we, we're so thankful, and hopefully they did a Valentine's Day post for their, you know, significant other yesterday. Um, you know, if they didn't, you know, if you forgot, it's, you know, better late than never. Maybe, I don't know, maybe that's worse. Um, but, but, you know, it's like at least, you know, at least you said yes, you know, so you still got that going for you. Um, but, but wedding vows, do you most wonderful, excellent, almost perfect woman. Take this broken, imperfect man to be your wedded husband, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death, till death do you part. These are not throwaway words. These are promises that people make to one another. Now, let me back up because you say you're talking about Valentine's, you're talking about romantic love, you're talking about wedding days. And, but that's not what Peter's talking about. Exactly. Exactly. Are you, tra- are you tracking with me? Here's the, here's the point. God wants us to love one another like that. Brothers and sisters, like that. That kind of faithfulness, that kind of commitment to one another. A deep, undying love. And number three. Number three. Not only a deep love, not only an undying love, but also a growing love. A growing love. This is what he says in verses 1 through 3 of chapter 2. Let's look at it one more time. He says, so put away all malice. He's continuing his thought, right? He's, he's going on. He says, so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn babies long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Supernatural love keeps getting better and better and better with time. Like God's love, the, like our experience 
of God's love. I think, man, I'm so thankful. It just popped into my mind. My wife did a post yesterday. Uh, I guess she was feeling the love this weekend, you know, from those Dove chocolates. And she reminded me she doesn't love truffles. I should have just gave her the hard chocolate. So that's my bad, Marcia. Uh, but, you know, 13 years and I'm still working. I'm still growing in my love. Uh, but, but she did this post from, you know, pictures that she found from our honeymoon. And, uh, you know, some of you probably want to add us right now on Facebook if you're not friends because... You know, and, and I just resent this. You know, it's always every time that we get throwback pictures, it's always, oh, Marcia, you've never changed. You look the same, you know. <laughs> I'm like, man, you, you don't know my pain and my struggle, all right? I've been a church planner. It takes life off you, you know. <laughs> Come on, somebody encourage me today. Somebody tell me I'm looking good still, you know. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> all right, I know it's not true. That's, that's hypocritical love right there. We got to cut it out, all right? Um, that's right. But she said, what she said, and what I love the most is she said it keeps getting better. Keeps getting better. When you really love someone, when you really give a deep love and an undying love. That love will grow over time, and it will keep getting better and better and better. Let me, again, step back. Listen, Nancy Sakari up there. I love Nancy. She loves it when I talk about her in sermons. Right? She just, I love Nancy more today than I, than I ever have, right? Jen and Marcio have been, you know, marriage coming up. All right, let's come on. Give it up for Jen and Marcio, all right? Like, but I, but I love them more, right? And I hope that they love me more. Over time, it grows, right? The holder's back in the house. Come on, Alex and Julianne, former Tufts and Emerson students, now back. Like, we love, love them more. You know, I don't get to see them that much, right? And this is what God's love does. It, it grows over time. And that's why, then, we, we have to do away with anything that's going to jeopardize or hurt the love and affection we have for one another. So when Peter says in, in verse 1 of chapter 2, so put away, and look at this, it's like so comprehensive, all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, all slander. He, he's saying that we need to, to throw off, like filthy garments, throw off anything that disrupts or can ruin our relationships with one another. He says these, these five sins we should put six feet deep in our lives. What, what is he talking about malice? He's talking about harboring ill will towards someone. Not only do you not want to see them succeed, but you actually, to some degree or another, you actually want to see them suffer. He says put it away. All malice, all deceit, when we... Uh, stretch the truth or say things less than truthful to put someone in a bad position or a bad light. All hypocrisy, we've talked about that. Uh, the, the, just putting on a front, acting one way but, but feeling or doing another. Put away all envy. This exposes our inclination to want to be elevated above someone else. To, to, not, to not be happy for them but, but to want what they have. And then also slander is spreading false information or giving false impressions of others in the hopes that people will not look on them in the same way. 
you know, I was talking to a new friend this week, and he was uh, telling me just how it, you know, works in the business world that, uh, that, 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 you know, these characteristics dominate business relationships. Why? Because the relationships are not built on love, but they're built on greed and the almighty dollar, right? So because people are just chasing after more and more money for them in, in selfish ways that deceit and malice and slander can so quickly move into business relationships. But this temptation is also prevalent in the church, right? When we're not living in the love of God, we can want to elevate ourselves above someone else. Or we can be moved by selfish motives that makes us want to get ahead of where someone else is. But I think what it would be a very helpful just for you to do in your own time this week is take the words of 1 Corinthians 13 and put them over this, this, these words. Put them over uh, 1 Peter 2.1 about malice and slander and hypocrisy and envy and deceit. And what you're going to hear is love is patient and kind. It's not self-seeking. It, it doesn't rejoice with wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. It never fails. This is what we're invited to as a family that's brought together under the one name, Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you today, listen, no matter where you are in your walk with Jesus or no matter where you are in your relationship with Redemption Hill, maybe you're new or maybe you're not so new, but listen, there, there are always more opportunities for us to get closer and to get more proximate so that we can live out these kind of relationships of loving one another, not just on Sundays, but through the week, right? This is why we, you hear us talk about a lot, connect with groups at Redemption Hill. Not just on Sunday, but, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And listen, if we have a group that doesn't meet your schedule, then let us know, and we'll try to start a group that doesn't meet your schedule. But also our teams, our, our Sunday serve teams, and the, the different teams that come together to, to make Sundays happen. You know, we, we said this before, we don't just snap our fingers and like everything is like perfect and ready to go on Sundays. People get here early to set up. People, uh, you know, set up the lobby to create a welcoming environment. Our connections team, our AV team does an amazing job with our music team leading us in songs of worship every single week. The, the, um, the massive amount of kids that, you know, participate in Redemption Kids every week. That happens because our volunteers are ready, prepared to receive them, to point them to God and his goodness every single week. So these are all opportunities that as we connect with one another and as we serve together, that we can grow in our relationships and to love one another all the more. All the more. And so once again, what Peter does is this. He says, if you want to grow, if you want to put all of this stuff out of your life and put on love, then, then what you need to do is you need to be like a baby. You need to be like a newborn infant. And you need to long for pure spiritual milk. Once again, Peter is pointing us back to what? God's words. The message of the gospel, what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And so he's saying he, he helps us in two ways as we see how we should relate to God and to God's words. He says, number one, 
you should be growing in your desire for God's words. This, this imagery is not suggesting, listen very carefully, it's not suggesting that these people are infants in their maturity. It's not saying they're all new Christians. Well, he just gives the metaphor of a newborn baby because of the way that a baby cries out and craves nourishment when they're hungry. I mean, any, any parents of newborns can attest, like, when a newborn cries, and, and, and it's like, you better give me food or give me a new family, right? It's just like, that's the kind of like crying out, the kind of desire that, that is in that. That scream will like get you off your seat in a hurry to go take care of that kid. And this is, this is what Peter's saying, that you should have this kind of longing, this kind of craving after what God has revealed to us to keep growing up into salvation, to keep being changed by God's spirit as he works it within us. So number one, Growing desires, but number two, not only that, growing delight. Because he ends by saying this, what in verse three? If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. I love what Peter's doing here. He's echoing Psalm 34, verse eight, where it says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And what, is, what does it mean that something is good? Specifically, what does it mean that God is good? It means that God, when we experience who he is, that it's such a pleasing experience because of how valuable he is, how worthy he is, and how much that impacts our lives. So much so that this experience of God's goodness makes it, us want it more and more and more to where we're going after him again and again and again. When, when we experience, when we taste and see who he is, listen, it stirs our affections, right? It puts a smile on our face. It puts a song in our heart. It, it makes us want to keep moving forward, keep growing in our salvation, keep growing in our love for one another. So I just want to ask you this morning, as we bring this time to a close, how how closely are you reflecting God's supernatural love? Is the love that you extend to the people around you, is it deep, is it undying, is it growing? Who is it, who is it? Let me just ask you this morning as we wrap this up. Who is it in your life that God has brought to your mind that you know there's some friction, there's some things that need to be worked on and that you're going to probably do everything you can just to ignore that impulse that God's putting in your heart right now. Who is it that you just need to say, God, I don't know what this looks like. I don't know what more and more looks like, but help me take just one tiny step toward a more and more kind of love, not a less and less. If you have tasted that God is good, that is the only response that we can make. And so I just want to spend some time in prayer as our music team comes out to, to, to lead us in a couple of songs. But listen, no matter, no matter who it is, what, what, what God is calling you to, 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 to step out in faith, to love the people around you, let's, let's ask him to fill our hearts with his love so that we reflect him in all that we say and do. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much.
that you invite us into a deep, undying, and growing love, a love that truly is supernatural in its origin and in its quality. God, we ask that we would be the kind of church that when we, when we blow it, when we uh, sin against one another, when we offend one another, even unintentionally, God, that we would have the kind of courageous love that moves toward one another, not away from one another. God, only your mercy, only your grace, only your love can produce this in us. And so, Father, we ask that as you do your good work in us, that we would bring much honor and much glory to your holy name. We pray this in the name of Christ.